But it was beautiful because I remember listening to you speak at this event and you just sounded so sure of like being unsure of your path. And like to me, that's like huge because I think a lot of us have this in us where stability is amazing and, um, you know, knowing how much money is coming in our account each week is amazing and being successful, like, what is that to you? And when I really, really dug deep to find what does success mean, it's not the house, it's not the kids, it's not the car, it's not the money, uh, and it's not the degree, because I had a lot of those things. It was feeling purpose, and I didn't have that at my um, career. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to Life Six Feet Above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles, and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, Other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Heather's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast, episode 26. I am joined by a friend named Heather Rep, and you might have heard of her because Wellness for Humanity has blown up in Atlanta, in Dallas, in New York, and on the West Coast. So welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to interview you and Um, I'm pivoting a little bit this year. So the first two seasons were very uh, mental health based and not to say that this episode is not mental health based because everything really is. But my draw to interviewing you is that you um, made a huge impact on society, at least here locally in Atlanta with your COVID testing in 2020 and I'm excited to hear how you got there and how you made a year that was um, so traumatic for so many people a success for you and your family. And I know it wasn't easy, and I know that there's a big backstory to it, but um, instead of, you know, this person went through depression or anxiety or whatever, I wanted to bring you on because you're such an inspirational force in the community, and people need to hear about these stories. So welcome. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Are you nervous? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. It's your first podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're, um, you know, honestly, I love that we've met a few years ago and run into each other yeah. in different circles. And it's funny, um, you know, you calling me an inspiration because I look at you that way oh, and just the way you've you. overcome everything. So thank it's you. truly an honor to be here today and talking to you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think the last time we saw each other in public, we were... Um, Having a Christmas cocktail. Yes. At, at, what is it? The called? blinded elf. The blind. No, the, <laughs> no, blinded the blind pig. Elf. Right or the blind pig? I think they call it elf they during call it Christmas. That? Oh, okay. Season, I, didn't even I can't know that. remember. That's so true. It is such a speakeasy, though. I yes, love that place. I love that place. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell anyone about it. Got to keep it secret. Yeah. Well, so, 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, give us a little bit of a background about Wellness for Humanity and your role there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So um, wellness was started out of passion. Um, the big goal in April was to empower humanity to thrive again. Okay. And so I got involved around August of 2020. I had already been a physician assistant for many years practicing anesthesia And so I had dealt with COVID firsthand when it came on. Mm. Um, I saw really the tragedy side of it. I was working in a COVID ICU and intubating patients who were not doing well. Mm. And this is back in March and April when we really knew nothing about the disease. Right. And it was, um, it was frightening to say the least. So I have two little kids and I remember coming home. Um, in the morning because I had to work night shift Mm. because nobody wanted to watch my kids during the day and um, just changing in the garage, scrubbing my body off and um, thinking to myself, there has to be something better. Right, Um, right. Instead of kind of holding my breath, praying for this to be over, how can I help stop the bleed? Right. And so uh, this company, Wellness, had kind of started doing things like antibody testing. And this is really before we knew how to even test people, right? Right. Like, so we're talking about a year ago, like literally, yep. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're recording, but you're actually going to be, your release date, I think is going to uh, be March 23rd, um, which is almost exactly a year from our shutdown. Yeah. So we're talking, and it's hard to like, I feel like last March was way more than a year ago. Does it feel like that way? It, I feel like it was, it feels it, like but the also like, year. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it was like several years ago, but also like yesterday at the same time. Yeah. So this is back at a time when we really didn't know anything and everyone was so up in the air and so scared and, and people are still, you know, scared rightfully so, but like, at least we know more now. So put us back in that, in that place for you. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause I just remember watching the news and it was mm. when the, you know, every single day you mm-hmm. would just turn the TV on and you would watch the New York numbers and Italy and yeah. you would get updates from China. And they were talking about a nationwide shutdown and our hospital had stopped outpatient surgery. So they had really not much to do with the staff. They were okay. like, well, we don't really have a job for you because we can't safely perform outpatient procedures, not to mention like who wanted to go get something elective right. at the time. Right. 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 So they took, um, volunteers to either work during the day to do emergent procedures or some of us who were like younger and healthier, we opted to go in and do this COVID ICU night shift or during the day. Okay. Um, like I said, I opted for the night shift because I just didn't have any help um, for my two littles. Yeah. But the hard part was sourcing any kind of mask. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reusing the same mask for two, three weeks. I had to order goggles on Amazon and I'm competing against like the entire world trying right. to get some goggles, but and I the really hospitals aren't them. doing it for you because they just don't have the capacity or what I, I I've actually never asked. I haven't had anyone ask yeah. a professional, but like, what was the whole thing? Like were the hospitals not prepared or how were you able to get your own materials? And they weren't. Yeah, I would love to answer that question. Um, I think they were already in a shortage supply, is my understanding, prior to the pandemic. Okay. And then they never caught up. Got it. And so when the pandemic hit, I think some people were maybe taking them from the hospital because they were so scared. Got it. Um, And then we were just going through them so quickly. And then all of a sudden, their new regulations came Mm. out. It was kind of like... 
when you would get a staff letter, it was like, today, this is the new update. And it right. would be like something different every <laughs> single day. Like, reuse the same mask. Don't reuse the same mask. We don't have any masks, so you better bring your own. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I actually used a, um, it was like a painter's mask. Uh-huh. Yes, I saw it a lot of people doing of that. It was kind crazy. Um, N95s, which yeah. some people might not know this, but you're actually supposed to be fit tested for them. Oh. So prior to the pandemic, we only use N95s for um, airborne diseases, okay. so like tuberculosis. So Got it. Anytime I would have a TB patient, mm. we would have to wear this mask. So I got fitted for one, like when I first started working right. and they were like, uh, these don't fit you. Oh jeez! <laughs> I like failed the fit test, which actually is fairly <laughs> common. I guess it's like my facial structure. <laughs> um, but guys are supposed to shave their beards cause you technically can't have any kind of opening. Oh. And so this is when we think like the whole thing's airborne, you know, right. like right. walk 18 feet away from right. everyone. Right. Like it lives everywhere. And, um, I'm like, great. I have to go in and wear a mask that doesn't fit. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And like so, terrified that this is going to happen to me and you're taking care of people that are literally on their deathbeds. Yeah. Rights, right. We were. Um, it, the best part was honestly like how many of my neighbors and friends reached out mm-hmm. and said, you know what? I've got a mask in my basement that I painted Aww. with. I would love to drop it off or I would randomly get like a Starbucks gift card. And honestly, just like for every bad person, like right. when I would go to Costco and see somebody wearing an N95 when they didn't need to, mm. there was like a good person that yeah. was honestly, you know, sharing what they had. And, um, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked that luckily it wasn't long before elective surgery picked back up. Okay. Um, and then in June I, uh, <laughs> Well, I stopped doing anesthesia um, altogether and kind of had the rug pulled under me. And that was the best thing that could have happened. <laughs> In hindsight, In right? Hindsight, 2020. Yeah. So previous to working overnights uh, and, you know, helping out with COVID, you were doing what? So yeah, on the side, I had been um, starting a healthcare software. Okay. Um, it was going to be a full startup. There were just we were a skeleton crew. I had one other co-founder and a developer, and then an investor, and we were really working to change medicine in a new way. Okay. So this is prior to the p- pandemic, and it was super exciting, and we were really taking off. And in February, had won a healthcare innovation award here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, so I decided to put in kind of like a ninety-day notice pre-pandemic <laughs> in February of 2020. Right. Uh, that went into effect June 1st. So when June 1st came around, and they didn't really need me in the ICU, mm. and outpatient surgery was still really slow, I was left without any safety net, uh, two kids, and a mortgage. Yeah. So. Wow kind of crazy. So Um, what was the next step after that? Just keeping my heart open. Yeah. (laughs) I think the biggest thing is when you're left in that situation, um, being open to whatever falls in your lap and knowing in your heart that you will make it work because you have no other choice. Yeah. So rather than sitting at home and you know, obviously like unemployment is super important for people, but Mm -hmm. rather than just using that until they've it picked back up. I said, okay, like what are my skills and how can I use these? Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a blessing, but a, a friend of mine, uh, which is why I think networking is so important, mm-hmm. uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, I know you're kind of between things. Do you want to help with, you know, this wellness center I'm about to start? And I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm all in. Right. And I want equity and I want to make it work. And yeah. I don't want um, just a position because that's what I was trying to get out of the first time. Yes. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> so this guy comes along and you've never heard about this company. Where is it based out of? We're actually based out of Houston. Okay. So Texas based. And what does he explain when you're like, well, what do you even do? How does he like, what's his elevator pitch? <laughs> I love it. Um, he was honestly like, so I owned a gym before and uh -huh. we're kind of shut down and <laughs> I don't really know what else to do, but I think that this would be a great opportunity to help people get back to work and fun again. And the difference in wellness and other testing centers is we're promoting, you know, for the population that is not high risk, that needs to get tested regularly, we want to make it easy, convenient, and fast okay. for you. Okay. We also want to educate you because we know that there's so much misinformation or that information is changing constantly. Right, right. I don't know one person that came out in March and April that was completely correct. I mean, even right. me and things that I thought and, sure. you know, it's constantly changing. Sure. So that's what's nice about our site is we don't, like, just take one piece of information and run with and it. go we with it, yeah. consistently are kind of changing it. Yeah. So um, I think I was really open to it. I mean, if he had said that, like... I don't know when I wasn't as vulnerable, I yeah. don't know if I would have taken him up on it, Yeah, but I trusted who he was and his network. And right. Right. I was and myself. I really was like, you know what? I'm going to make this work. I have a family to provide for. Mm -hmm. And I really think even if COVID only lasted two more months, I mean, in August, I had no idea. Right. You know, maybe right. it was only through September. <laughs> the numbers were down. <laughs> Here we are in yeah. March of 2021. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny you say that because um, about the June and how it's, you know, this, the wellness is supposed to be, um, you know, fast and effective for people. Because I remember June was the first test I got. And I needed it like very quickly because I have a job that if I can't go and work with people, like I'm not going to get paid. Um, and I didn't have an option for unemployment. There's so many things that happened right. last year that were very unfair, but whatever <laughs> it is what it is. But I remember going to a quote unquote rapid test and having to sit in my car for six hours to get tested. So this place comes along in June, but you guys didn't open right away. No. It took a little while. It took a little while. So there's a lot of like, nobody yes. wants to open a COVID site. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate to tell right. landlords, it's not their favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of hoops to jump through and convincing that, you know, we're not just testing, you know, sicker, symptomatic people. It's more like people like you who right. just need to get back to work. Right. There is this other subset of the population that needs kind of testing to be compliant with mm -hmm. any measures that are put in place by their place of work right. or by their school or whatever it is. And so people like really hadn't thought of that concept. Mm -hmm. So they were like, no, of course we need drive through testing. And I'm like, but that makes sense for people that don't feel well, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> you know, not yeah. necessarily someone who wants to get yeah. in and out and get on with their day because they actually do feel okay. Right. Well, and this was like when everyone was, if you were like, uh, there were so many trigger words last year, but one of the ones that stands out for me is exposed. Mm -hmm. Like we are all exposed. You walk out of your door and you're exposed. Okay. Right. So, but it was when the world started opening back up. If a friend got it, you're like, oh my God, I was near them. I was exposed to it. So just that sort I'm like, I feel fine. I don't have a temperature. All these things. I felt totally fine, but I felt like it was my responsibility to get tested. So <laughs> I feel like we're still using that word exposed. And I know <laughs> I, I, my parents are in New York and it's a very different vibe in mm -hmm. New York state, but 
I'm glad that they're finally kind of opening up to this possibility because didn't you just open a center in New York City? Yeah, yep. Um, we have a vending machine there right now. Um, and so, then by the time we probably yeah. uh, this podcast airs, we'll be open. Really? So, okay, um, okay. We like to make our sites look a little more... I hate using the word bougie, but it's true. Yeah. Like we want them to feel clean, inviting, yeah. more yeah. like a wellness center. Yeah. Um, so Less of course, sterile, quote unquote. Exactly. Like if you're not walking into a hospital. And we don't want people to feel turned off by it. Like yeah. when they come in, like does it feel like a DMV or does mm. it feel like, you know, somewhere super nice and where people like really put in thought and effort into yeah. like what's going on? Right. So right. we have had some construction um, going on and New York State yeah. is like the best yeah. with permitting. So that's why we're a little behind. Well, at, least, at, least, <laughs> at least we're good at something. Yes. Um, but we still are open for concierge testing right now. Okay. So that's actually our big market is um, corporate and event testing and then coming to you because we know, especially in New York City. I mean, it's hard to get around and like, yeah. who wants to take public transportation right, right now? Right, right. So if they can walk there, of course, like we'll take them in. But our sites are really kind of flagship stores mm-hmm. to offer what we can do for your company, your business, your school. Um, and we've got some really cool things coming up. And I'm like super excited because not a lot of companies are doing that. That's so awesome. Good. I'm really excited. So you get hired in June. Mm-hmm. And then did you obviously had to go through some sort of training process or did you go out to Houston for you know, to kind of immerse yourself. Was that the first place that opened? Yeah, they were doing like, I love the story because actually in April, um, my CEO was, you know, doing antibody testing, Mm -hmm. like in a Q-tip suit. Like if you can envision a big papper suit, like out of her car. And she was like willing to volunteer as tribute. I mean, she is, you know, female, um, willing to do anything minority. Mm. And she is a boss. I mean, I love it because thank you for not saying girl boss, because we're all just bosses. We're bosses. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Male, female. And she is, um, was willing to just put herself out there to like learn like how these antibody tests work at the time. And this is when a lot of people thought they had already had it. So okay. that's why that was what was important. And that's really all we could source from China. We couldn't get, there was no rapid test. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was only PCR testing and even labs. Um, I love walking into labs now because you can tell they've gotten some money recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because prior to the pandemic, I mean, they were like swabbing petri dishes, which is like what they did in the 1800s. Really? I mean, that's how they were doing biology up until the pandemic, basically, like, and so, um, the COVID's really put microbiology on the map as far as like, you know, making it more innovative and gathering saliva samples. And now they're looking into like doing STD testing and all kinds of things, gathering just like saliva. And so that's like our big, right? Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could know what's going on in your gut from like spitting into a cup? Yeah, so, I would much rather spit into a cup than have that thing shoved up my nose. Yeah, though. like is that is <laughs> exactly. that gonna go away? <laughs> yeah, we actually do saliva collection. Okay, there we go. So unless people want it, right, right, up right. Their like, nose. no, I don't want that anymore. I know they still th- they think it's not a real collection sometimes, um, but I always tell people it's not the method of collection that matters; it's what we're testing. Got it. So when you do saliva, nasal, or oral, meaning like a throat swab that feels sure. like a strep test, mm-hmm. that's all still going to a high quality lab where they have to process the results like on multiple machines. Okay. Um, and so that's why sometimes, you know, back in the pandemic, it could take two weeks. Right. Um, because right. the lab would be backed up. Um, and then if you do a rapid test, it tests the protein. And okay. so that's a different test. That's why they can do it in 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like, um, 
you know, some people prefer PCR because they're like, well, it's more accurate, but it always leaves our hands, which Mm. I don't love because then it's like up to the lab and, you know, there is someone behind a lab coat also doing it and it's not all automated. Whereas the uh, rapid test like really never leaves our site. Okay. So, so that's more kind of room like, for error. Yeah. Okay. It, it's kind of like they both have their, their positives and negatives. Right. So when we come up with a game plan for a corporate account, we kind of say like a lot of times we'll do a PCR test three days before an event mm. before they fly to make sure like, Hey, we're not putting someone on a plane that's positive. And then once they arrive, we'll do a rapid test. Okay. And so that's how we do a lot of like in-person events with no masks or masks if they want them. But, and then we'll rapid test, you know, just depending on the safety protocols they'd like to put in place. I think this is a really good thing to talk about right now, because I think there's still so and and granted people aren't abiding by certain laws and regulations sure but i think there are events going on and there people that are at these events are getting judged so quickly but little do they know they there might be a company like you who has made sure that they can attend these events and everyone's doing it safely so i think people are so freaking quick to judge and i know everyone is still angry about so many different things right now but i think it's great to know that these things are happening and we may not be aware about these corporate events or these parties because you were just at the Super Bowl, right? It's crazy. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I have two different sides of that story. Um, you know, we how do you test six thousand people right. on site? Sure. Crazy, sure. right? Um, so we've partnered with a company that does like it looks like a metal detector. Yes. You walk through it and it scans your core body temperature, your pupils for redness. And so it kind of uses AI to interpret if you have COVID symptoms. Okay. And then so what we did is we put on site rapid testing. So if the machine picked up that you were high risk, we then rapid tested you. Okay. And it was crazy. We pulled like five or six positives out of these people. Really? Um, you know, it's obviously not as perfect as testing 6,000 people, but these people would have gone there anyways. You have to think like their risk was, Hey, I'm going to go party anyways. But if we can even slow the spread a little bit by those six people that were positive that we pulled, I mean, that's amazing to me. Um, but I did just help a friend who's getting married and, um, it was an engagement party. Mm -hmm. And so I tested outside and it was like my gift to her. I was like, Hey, like, I know you're very worried. And, um, so she had like older people, pregnant people, I mean, kind of all over the map. And she really just like, was like COVID had stopped her wedding last year. So she's like, I really want to like, just have a party. So I was like, well, let me help. And, um, so we tested everybody ahead of time at the door And sometimes when I do these events, I know that like no one's going to be positive, right? right? Like, why would you come if you're exposed, not feeling well? Like, you have a temperature. Okay, you're not going to like gone are the days where you go out with a fever. Exactly. Like, or oh, my throat's scratchy. I'm still going to go to like a party with like 70 year olds. Mm -hmm. Like, not smart. So, um, when I'm testing one of the bridesmaids, I look over and I'm I I see a positive, and I'm like, Oh, oh my gosh! Like, she was like one of the girls that would have been bopping around everybody. Right. And so I kind of pulled her aside and, um, I was like, Hey, let's take a test again. Like, Mm. are you feeling well? She's like, girl, I just took a PCR test on Wednesday. I mean, it's Saturday. She's like, I, you know, um, a local place. And she's like, it was negative. And I'm like, I totally trust you, but like, I can't let you in. Right. <laughs> so test her again, pop positive again. Oh, and I was like, no. I was feeling terrible. Cause I was like, what if it's one of the false positives? Cause right. they're very rare, but they do happen. Sure. 
So I sent her home. It was her birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> and she had gotten all dressed up, and she uh, she felt really bad. And so she left, and, you know, everybody at the party was like, thank you for saving us, but hopefully it wasn't, like, a false positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, that friend called me 24 hours later, chills, fever, <gasps> like, in bed, couldn't move. And I collected oh a PCR gosh. at the same time. Her PCR came back positive. And she's like, I've never felt worse in my life. Oh, God. And she was on, like, her butt for a full week. And she's like, I cannot believe it. She's like, I must have – it must have been that perfect storm of, like, between her other tests. Mm -hmm. And from when I test her, maybe they didn't get a good sample. Sometimes with the nasal swabs, actually, people don't get a great sample. Yep. Because they don't go up high enough. So that's why we really do like the saliva collection much better. Wow. Um. And so I don't know if where she went to get a nasal swab, they just didn't get a good collection because it should have showed. It should have showed. PCR. Usually yeah. PCR shows yeah. up before antigen. Yeah. So that should have showed up. And it's crazy because um, the mom just like of the bride was right. like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we did this. Right. I mean, there were probably like 40 people there. Well, and also like there's this sense of responsibility us as you know women or or no matter who you are in your 30s right you don't want to be the person that gives it to a 70 year old or anyone for that matter and like in that moment you're you're mad I'm sure she was pissed that she couldn't come in but I'm sure when she called you 24 hours later she's like thank god you saved me because that just has to be the worst feeling in the world where you wake up and you were at some place the night before, and then you wake up and you don't feel well, and you're like, holy shit, I have to tell everyone I was just near exactly. that I don't feel well. I mean, we have people, like, especially in December coming in, you know, yeah. and it was, like, post-Thanksgiving, and they would get the phone call from their friend or their Thanksgiving they were at, and it was, like, oh. the worst feeling, and they would get upset. And, right. like, oh, of my course. gosh, I can't believe I'm positive. And I would say, like, look, like, you didn't start this. It's right. not your fault. Right. Um, and so I tell people all the time, even if she had gone into the party – it wouldn't have been her fault. Like she really was responsible, got a test on mm-hmm, Wednesday, but mm-hmm. that's why our goal with wellness is actually to get testing readily available to whoever wants it. We're really um, working hard to get the pricing down so that you can self-administer tests as often as you want Yeah. because really just knowing your own immunity helps you like stop the spread, which is the entire point. Right, right. Like, I've accepted my risk of if I get it, sure. I'm okay. I just don't want to give it to somebody else. So you so you have the centers where people come to you. Mm-hmm. There's one in Atlanta. It's it's on Peachtree, right near the yeah. uh, Peachtree and Piedmont. Yep, right in the Disco Kroger Shopping yeah. Center, right yeah. next to Marshalls. Okay, um, so you have one there, but then you also have the ability to fly and take your testing with you anywhere in the U.S. Or are you who are you catering to? Yeah, we do at home mail kits, so okay. we can um, mail kits to anywhere in the U.S. So that's kind of how we have our nationwide reach. Are people and, ordering those just to kind of have them? Um, sometimes for travel. So yeah. if you travel internationally, you have to have usually a negative PCR test seventy-two hours before you leave and the country. And they will accept these tests that mm-hmm. you have. Yep. So you so you can order it at home, you do the test, and then you send it back to you? We send it directly to the lab. You send it to the lab. Um, just and to then, avoid shipping. Yep. Okay. And then they get the results within 72 hours? They usually get it um, at overnight ships. Okay. And then um, Fridays are the only day that are kind of funky, but because of FedEx. Right. But every other day, like as long as the lab receives it the next morning, the results are 24 hours later. Wow. So it's kind of a cool way, and it's saliva collection, so people love that, like – 
I've heard of um, companies that do mail home kits that are mm-hmm. nasal. If they don't get a great sample, they can't run it, and then you can't go mm-hmm. on your trip. And so that's always a bummer because you don't find out till like right before right. you leave. Right. Um, so we have the mail home kits, and then we also can deploy staff. So I've done like events in other states where like I've sent. Like, for instance, in Tampa, where Mm -hmm. I had, you know, people on site and we can test if it's a big group. So anywhere from, like, I've done 20 people at a hotel um, to, like, you know, 6,000. Yeah. And then um, we also, in Atlanta, we have a lot of corporate accounts. So we do testing for, actually, the Hawks. So we do, like, their executive staff and then fans that come in. Really? Um, And then we're a partner with IHG Hotels. So we've done testing for, like, the Intercontinental. Um, And so... Yeah, there's like a few other companies in Atlanta. We go on site to them like three times a week. And wow. it's just a lot of fun. Like, cause then they get to do what they're supposed to right, do. Right. Um, whether it's like film crews that those sure. are really up our alley because um they have to be around each other without masks on. Yeah. Yeah. And so we try and get them, you know, those twenty four hour results on a PCR because they really prefer that over the rapid mm-hmm. usually. Mm-hmm. And um we'll take it directly to the lab for them and we just like provide that kind of like white glovey service. Sure. Uh we try not to show up like all in like scary gear because <laughs> right, we know right. like the protection is for us yeah. um, and all our staff is like well tested or vaccinated and so we try and ensure like an educated on COVID because we do have this brick and mortar site. Right. We see COVID in action a lot. Right. Right. So it's, it's cool to hear that companies are investing in, the, in this. Yeah. Um, maybe this is a dumb question, but is the government invested in this at all? So we don't take private any companies. Government. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cash. Yeah. Okay. We um, help people reimburse um, okay. back to their insurance company and we're rolling out a program that will like automatically do it for you. Okay. But right now, basically what we do is collect cash up front and then we give you insurance codes and help you submit that Got with it. like an itemized receipt. Got it. And 87% of people get fully reimbursed. It's just, I always hate it for like the 13%. Sure. Um, and then of course with them, we offer discounts and right. codes like, because you know, we don't want them to pay for it. Right. But the way we source it is not through government money. Okay. So the corporate companies, like big companies are providing this for their employees. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. They're actually not supposed to corporate companies. And I hope this is still true, but they're not supposed to actually require you to use your own insurance Mm. to go get a COVID test. So you can opt that option, but they're actually supposed to pay for it out of pocket for you just Mm. because it can change like your deductible and things like that. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Have you remained healthy this whole year? Oh my gosh. It's kind of crazy because I have not, um, yeah, I never got COVID. (laughs) Knock on wood. um, Yeah. Like, and you've already got the, the vaccine, ICU. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. yeah. So in the ICU, I came down with pneumonia for like two weeks. <gasps> and I was like, I'm sure this is yeah. COVID, right? Like, um, I could not, I'm fairly active and I could not push a stroller across the street. And really? I was like, what is going on? And um, I tested for antibodies. I tested for COVID like four times. It was all negative. And then working at the site, I mean, we're around, I mean, sometimes like, especially when our numbers were high, yeah. like in December, we were around like a good amount of COVID positive patients. And I talked to them with a mask on. They had their mask on and really never caught it. I tell people the, the magic numbers are 15 minutes mm. in a room, a closed closed room, um, without your mask on. Okay. If you talk to somebody briefly, you hug them, even like, you know, like a close hug. Right. But it's very brief. Uh, that's usually fine. That's not like a true exposure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, we see a lot of people get it from like, oh, I went out to the golf course and played golf with them, but like, 
we rode in the car together. Right. Like, hmm, that's right. where you got it, in like, the car, not go. playing golf. There you go. Um, yeah. Dinner yeah. parties are big um, it, because, you know, you're like in a close quarters and you're talking and you're kind of spitting across the right. table per se, right. sharing drinks, bottles of wine, things like that. Sure. But um, yeah, usually like grocery store runs, things like that. It is hard uh, to get it that way. Wow. So I actually have a, I'm interested about this machine that you used in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be kind of like a new thing that kind of detects your, detects your body overall when you walk through like these scans that, you know, the technology is, is so incredible that we have now, but I'm wondering if this is going to kind of be a new wave of the future. Cause I remember seeing on your Instagram stories and I'm like, what are those things that would be green or red? Yep. Um, so is that kind of like the next big thing in, in technology for wellness and, and not even COVID, but just in general? Yeah. I mean, our goal and our, our parent company before we kind of pivoted in March was to, um, really, get people's bodies to their peak performance. Mm-hmm. So we were called Peak Space Labs okay. because we wanted people to be at their highest level of like what their being is. Okay. So, you know, gut testing for um superfoods sure. or brain foods or like red light therapy because it makes yeah. me feel good, shared workspaces, um things like this that make people like just innovative, sleep well, you know, eat well and so that way you're at your best capacity. And so when we partner with these technology companies, you know, that's that's our big goal is always to like kind of move towards like what makes you know, something safer or better right, or right you know, you enjoy this environment more. So when we found Safeway Entry Station, they actually were developing this technology um, to test for drug screenings. Mm. So it was for police officers who um, wanted to be able to test if people were, like, under the influence. Really? Yes. Just walk it's through a machine. and it, oh, Yeah. It's and so terrifying. So You're like, I know. can't get away with crazy. anything anymore. I'm like, is this a good idea? <laughs> um, and for the Tampa event, I was like, that's fully off, right? <laughs> <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of red lights. Right, right. You're like, I had one too many drinks last night. Yeah. That's going to go off. Like everybody coming in the Super Bowl right? party. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so they kind of pivoted. And then it's been interesting. We're just trying to collect data right now because okay. it's actually in Canada and it's in a few, like, COVID hospitals. But those patients are typically much more symptomatic than asymptomatic people. So we've um, used these for certain events where, like, I'm trying to just basically get the AI right. to, like, get right. up there um, so that I can learn and learn and learn and like that's the big goal of like pairing it with testing i would never say it's like a great like just use this right. unless you're not going to use anything right it's, a good right? Compliment. it's always like yeah. yeah 10 minutes of working out is yeah, great yeah. but like an hour is better sure right? sure, sure. <laughs> so that's kind of like our method methodology with sure. that and then pinpoint um temperatures are kind of terrible right like my temperature could be low right now but like i had night sweats last right, night right right so we've partnered with another company called Biostrap, and it's like it's more for corporate accounts going back to work, mm-hmm. where you can wear like a piece of uh, like a wristband that kind of tracks your temperature all day and through the night, and you mm. don't have to charge it like an Apple Watch. So you can actually wear it when you're most likely to like have those night sweats that would be an indicative sign of like COVID or flu or right, anything sure. that like 
spikes your body temperature that makes you contagious because yeah like being febrile actually increases your contagion level so that's like super important for no matter what you're carrying no matter what you have very right, yeah right. so this would be cool for like um corporate companies to give to their employees to say hey like wear this during the day we'll kind of like if you're not feeling well let's look at what your temperature trends were like the last few days right and so we love pairing with like companies like that what a cool opportunity <laughs> i mean i know like obviously if we had to go back no one would ever wish that covid would have happened but there are always two options in life um and it, it just sounds like you and this company, I mean, you've really taken something that is tragic and very detrimental to society and we're trying to do that the best that you can so that we can get back to functioning, maybe not normal or maybe not the way it used to be, but at a capacity where we can still be healthy, happy human beings. And that's 100%. kind of the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many levels, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're the people that are terrified and really think sure we're irresponsible. And like you said, the judgment right. we get when right. we go to an event or have friends, but there's such a mental health component to COVID, yeah. like back to what you're talking right. about. And I've seen, you know, people die of a broken heart that are in nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And it's because now people are so scared to go visit their mm -hmm. grandparent or their mom that they, you know, die alone in a nursing home. Yeah. And then kids who were going to school every day and had an outlet are now mm -hmm. stuck inside. Maybe someone's bullying them right. because now they're like behind computers. And I just think there's so many levels to this. Sure. And so we can cater kind of to any of that. Like, of course, if you want to stay inside and wear a mask, like we are happy to offer you a test and we will mail one to you. Right. And like, right. But do what's best for you. And then if, if you do need your company to go back to work, let's do it safely and let's put in some protocols and let's put in some guidelines. And if A happens, then we have B, C, D, E, which is so cool. what I learned in anesthesia. I love that right. part because, um, you know, when A goes wrong, we yep. just move yep. down the line. Um, and then it's like, if you want to have a party, let's like try and make it a safe event as we can, like yeah. up to like your standards. Right. And so we, we are like no judgment zone. Um, we just want people to like live the life they want to. Sure. And, um, you know, that's like the best part about this and so it's cool. really grown. So, so cool. I love it because everyone on our team, I'm very close to our CEO, um, cause I'm the director of operations mm -hmm. and, um, so do all the corporate and event testing. And then as a PA, like it's been able to use my medical skill set. Um, and then growing up kind of in an unstable home and like just knowing about mental health, mm -hmm. it's helped me realize the other side of the coin sure, with COVID. Sure. <laughs> so that's a perfect segue <laughs> to Heather and her personal life. <laughs> so we're going to kind of backtrack a bit here. Um, Heather and I have known each other for a couple years. I don't, I mean, we're in the, I'm in the fitness community. You're in the wellness community. I've seen you at different events, but it was in December of 2019. So pre COVID, um, I was invited to, to be a guest speaker. So you came with this guy and like, you know, we hadn't seen each other in forever. I'm like, what are you doing with your life? What's going on? And you just seemed like you were in a little bit of a searching moment like what like you had a job you were doing well you were a PA at the time making good money but it just seemed like you wanted more and I recognize that because I've been at that stage in many 
places of my life. And um, you had just started this, you were involved in a CBD company as well. So you were kind of doing all of these things, but really what stood out to me is you're like, I'm not sure what's next. And I want to know what got you to the point where you said, I want more for my life. I am not happy or I'm not content with where I'm at anymore. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You're such a good people reader, which I've always <laughs> like loved about you. I'm really intuitive, um, which is kind of scary, but you know, I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like that helps me relate to people a little bit It really more. is. And yeah. it's why people I think are drawn to you because yeah. it's like, wise one, yeah. <laughs> can you help me? If only I could look in the mirror and say the same thing. <laughs> but it was beautiful because I remember listening to you speak at mm. this event and you just sounded so sure of like being unsure of your path and like to me that's like huge because I think a lot of us have this in us where Mm -hmm. stability is amazing and um you know knowing how much money is coming Mm -hmm. in our account each week is amazing and being successful like what is that to you and when I really really dug deep to find what does success mean Mm -hmm. It's not the house, it's not the kids, it's not the car, it's not the money, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not the degree, Mm -hmm. because I had a lot of those things. It was feeling purpose, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have that at my um, career. And that's hard, because I know a lot of my friends who still practice anesthesia, like, they love it. And when I was doing it, I, I absolutely loved it, and I know I was helping patients Um, but I really felt like I was in a box. Mm -hmm. So I had started questioning, like, what is this? Like, I think six months before I met you, um, I had just had some innovative ideas and I've always been kind of all over the place. (laughs) Um, whether it's like in fitness or decorating or like any crazy idea, I'm like, I'm going to try this and see if it works. See what works. Yeah. And, but I never really was like believing in myself, I guess. And, um, I met a neighbor and he was like, wow, these are some great ideas. Like I've had history in the, you know, tech industry. Like I'd love to help you get started. So we kind of like four months early had formed a company, but it hadn't quite taken off yet. And in doing that, I'm kind of like looking to other people who've kind of quit their, what we say is regular, like job or I don't know how to describe it, but like a nine to five, right? Constant. their yes like stability sure and so that's why like part of the reason I had wanted to go to an event like that was really just to like hear people's stories and Mm -hmm. how like when the rug gets pulled like what do you do to survive yeah Yeah. um but what you don't know is a when it's gonna come Mm -hmm. (laughs) and b like what it's gonna feel like right and all I know is if if you have that feeling like you have to believe in yourself sure And you have to believe that the universe is handing you something and like you have no other option than to make it work. Right, right. But you've had a lot of practice with this. (laughs) Yes. And this is key for some people that I talked a bit about this on a recent episode. Um, Last year was the first for many people in dealing with depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, you know, social isolation, like a lot of emotions that some of us have dealt with our entire lives. And I remember um, I was interviewed last year and I was like, I'm so grateful that I've already had a lot of practice 
because I feel for the people going through it right now as adults because it's the first time they're dealing with it, which is terrifying. And in speaking to you, I always, you know, I like to hear a little bit of people's stories just so I know kind of where they're coming from. Um, you've had the rug pulled out from you since childhood, basically. <laughs> yeah. Born and raised in Atlanta. Um, tell us a little bit about your just growing up and and who you were back then. Because I think that will help explain why you are the way you are now. Yeah, I, it's crazy because I think all of us develop habits now sure. that are from things we had happened to us from when we were like mm-hmm. one to seven right mm-hmm. and that's not to say we can't change those but sometimes they make us strong in who we are mm-hmm. so yeah growing up was very unstable for me um was raised by a single mom and the oldest of four kids and she really had no financial support so she was gone trying to just put food on the table mm-hmm. for us so growing up even at six seven years old I'm left with kids right and um just figuring out how to feed them and just make sure like, you know, they were alive when my mom got home. This is at Um, six or seven years old. It's crazy. Yeah. Even eight. Yeah. I think, yeah. Through middle school. I mean, until we really could, my mom could afford like an au pair or some help or knees. Right. Um, you know, after school we would have like a neighbor watch us, but it really was when she was home, she was also depressed or sad. Mm -hmm. And so, and I can understand why, but, um, it made it where like a lot of times we were left alone. Did you know your dad? Yes. And he's local. Okay. Um, and he's a completely different person now, which okay. is kind of crazy. Um, and, but, and in a better way, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's great. But yeah. you know, I don't think he knew a lot of what was going on. And sure. I think, you know, it, like sometimes when you're in that survival mode of, or you are going through anxiety or depression, like my mom was, you have no idea, like, who's affected around mm-hmm. you, right? You're like in this tunnel vision. Yeah. And and you're just like trying to keep your head above water, never mind like those around sure. you. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's what was going on with her. And until she really picked herself back up, mm. which ended up happening, um, I really was left for that like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty terrible with uh what's like the word? Um affection because mm-hmm. you never <laughs> had think it it's right because, yeah like yeah. I never really had it um yeah and I'm very hard to please I think I have very high expectations of people uh-huh. and so that might make me a little difficult and that's probably why I'm extreme I'm like it's either like you do it right or you don't do it sure and it's probably why like where that came from do you think that's where your hustle comes from is that you basically were left to raise your three siblings yeah I think for sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, they were very close in age. I was like three years older than the next closest. And okay. then they were all like 15 to 17 months apart. Oh, wow. Um, so they were like super close. And then I was always looked at like the mom. I mean, you yeah. know, like I would sit on them, like, like stay here, <laughs> like don't move. And then, you know, next thing I know, my brothers are bigger than me and I'm like, what's happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. And, um, I love that my mom was able to turn her life around. She got a stable career. She found a husband that supported her and loved mm. her and like all the things that were like maybe missing back when she had us. And then, you know, that depression creep back mm. and, that made me realize like, you know, the drive that a lot of us have in us, if we're not utilizing it to yeah. its full potential, yeah. like we can fall back in these habits. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always say happiness is not a choice. If, if 
if it were a choice, like the world would be happy. We could all just choose it. But yeah, happiness is it's uh, just about creating habits and a series of habits. And um, I always say depression is such a selfish thing. And I know that sounds really harsh, but when you are extremely depe- depressed, all you think about is yourself mm-hmm. and how bad your life is and poor me, poor me. So I'm sure your mom was thinking all of that. Like her husband left her. She's got four kids. Yeah. Like she wasn't thinking about how hard that was going to be for you and how much pressure that was going to put on you growing up and how it was going to affect you because she could only think about herself. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like looking back, you're able to kind of compartmentalize and re- excuse me, realize that, you know, she was this way because of this reason. And you, 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 you say that like, you're kind of a heart, like you do it the right way or the wrong way, but I feel like you have a lot more compassion than you, than you (laughs) give and (laughs) and the the affection. I feel like now that you have two kids, um, Mm -hmm. and granted this is coming from like Instagram or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I can read people Mm -hmm. pretty well. I feel like you, you've taken what she's done and kind of gone the opposite way without blaming her for some of the events that have happened in your life. And when we spoke before, you said that you recognized when you were kind of, when you were working as an anesthesiologist and and going through, or not as an anesthesiologist, but working in that capacity, it was just go, 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 work, 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 work. And you saw yourself, you recognized going down this route of depression. Yeah. I mean, it felt like, you know, when you're, when you're younger and I especially felt this like at 20 because my mom had gone through so much and was stable and like literally could do anything she wants now. Mm. And she wasn't, you know, happy, but at 20, I was like, okay, you know, I want all these things that she has. Mm. I want a stable husband. I want to make my own money. I want two kids. I want a nice house. And then all of a sudden you get all that. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, wait, (laughs) is this happiness? And I think I like, luckily she went through that cycle again for me. And if anything, I thank her, you know, and because, you know, it came at her expense, unfortunately, but I recognized how much like how important it is for us that feel that drive, that feel that like higher purpose to act on it. Yeah. You know, and I think the hardest part has been for my husband and my kids because I'm not a traditional mom Mm -hmm. and I do love them so much. And, um, but I don't know if I should even say this, but they're not my world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm part of their world and they're part of mine. And, um, I would do anything for them, Yeah. but I want to see them succeed. I love that. I want to see them do well And I can't do that if I'm everything to them. I love that. No, I think that I think it puts so much pressure on women and mothers, especially, um, and granted, I don't have kids, so this is just looking from the outside, but I think when we are the be all and the end all for our kids and vice versa, then that's all you have. So God forbid they leave for college. Then what, who are you then? you know, or they, they choose to do something differently than what you wanted them to, or vice versa. You know, a a parent dies and a kid is 12 years old. 
like we have to teach them that there's more to life than one person or the car or the whatever, like all of these things fit together and you can be a complete human being without one specific thing. Yes. Is that traumatic? Would that be detrimental for a time? Sure. But like, we're all going to go through something. We're all going to go through grief and pain. Like it's going to happen. And we want to protect our kids so much that we don't let it happen when they're kids. So when they turn 20 and they get, or 18 and they're denied to their, you know, the college, top college of their choice, then they're distraught and they're, they're so sad and upset. And it's like, that's not the be all and the end all. So I actually give you props for saying (laughs) that. Um, because I think it's so true. Yeah, you're a piece of them when you have like a lot of wisdom with it. Cause a lot of people that, um, you know, you, you, you can't wait to have kids. You can't wait to do right. all these things, right. right? Like all of us, like, I mean, and most of us, right. Yeah. Or, and even if we don't have kids, we can't wait to like be the best aunt, right. but it's kind of like, or get married. And then it's mm-hmm. like, but I always say like, I don't need my husband and he doesn't need me. Um, but we just like, have chosen to do this together. We want each other. Yes. Like, and I, I don't make him better. He doesn't make me better, but we support each other to live the best life that we have. And maybe it's, it's super selfish, right? Like, but we have to be, and maybe it's partly a defense mechanism or something on my part, but I really think like it allows you to be your best self because you're not putting it on anybody else. Right. Right. If I fail, that's on me. Yeah. Not on my kids, not on him. Yeah. And so I think that makes you better. I mean, I hope. (laughs) Well, you have to be, I actually talked to Gretchen in the very first episode of the season Mm -hmm. about this. It's like, you have to be, um, complete on your own. It's a morbid thought, but we come into this world alone and we're going to go out alone and all of the, the people and the pieces of the puzzle, like they all fit together. But at the end of the day, it is your head that lays down on that pillow and you have to be content with yourself. And it might not be every day is happy, 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 but there has to be joy in yourself, in your own life. And everything is just an added bonus. The kids, the money, the house, that's all just a bonus. Um, I mean, you look at people like Mother Teresa and all these people that had literally nothing and they're some of the happy, happiest people in the world because they're content with who they are yeah. and they're content in their purpose of, of giving. And, and I see that in your job now and your career, um, and what it's turning into. And, and it feels like, you know, COVID was almost a blessing for you because you didn't know where you were going to go. You knew that you wanted something different. And you trusted that your purpose was bigger than, you know, what you were doing and you kind of took a leap of faith and that's really hard to do, but I would encourage anyone that is unhappy with where they're at to just start making really small steps, baby steps, even when you don't know what you want to do or where you want to go. I think that's a huge looking back for me. And maybe you can shed some light on this too. When I was like 23, 24 I went through episodes where I was very, very depressed and then okay. And then was re-diagnosed with bipolar. So it was very up and down. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one of my lowest points of life, like, um, people saying, you know, you just have to f- figure out what you want. It's like, I didn't even know what I wanted. I didn't right. even know what I wanted. I didn't know that I wanted to be this, or I wanted to do that. It just, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to 
be able to go home at night and not cry alone or bingey and get rid of like I knew what I didn't want so I started making tiny steps to just make things better and it's so important to not put a focus on who you want to be rather what you want to do and how you want to feel yeah did you no, ever I feel love that, that way yes because um it really is like it feels like a dramatic shift yeah right um do you listen to I'm sure you listen to how I built this yes yeah I love it because he doesn't highlight right why they got famous right, right. Or like that's part of the story but it's actually what you're doing which is talking about these baby steps right and it goes back to like, my kids aren't my life. My husband's not mm-hmm. my life. It's because I need like hundreds of people around me to be successful mm-hmm. because every single one of those people brings new light to me or teaches me something or teaches me patience or courage, or even right. if they right. weren't the nicest person, they taught me something. Right. And so that kind of helps people. Like I always tell people networking, mm-hmm. which is exactly yeah. what you're yeah. amazing at and you know, preach is like one of the most important things you could do. Right. Um, being kind and open and, and just like listening to other people's ideas and what they have to say is huge. Um, you know, we don't have to be the pioneer. It's actually the hardest to be Mm -hmm. the first to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even our company has gotten scrutiny because of the way we do things. Sure. And, uh, you just have to know, like, that's part of it, you know, if you're the first. And so sometimes it's better to kind of like, Oh, I really do like that idea, but like, I'm going to have a cool spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like an even better way, but like first research that, you know, initial idea, make sure that fit is right for you. Um, and then saving cash outside of your day-to-day job. Mm -hmm. So I know you touched a little bit that I sold CBD and I, a, that was a great way for me to meet a ton of people. Um, you know, it was a company I trusted. It was physicians I worked with at the hospital. And so I would stash that cash away to pay for the startup that actually went completely belly up. So thank God I did that (laughs) because I would have like drained my savings beforehand. Right, right, right. But luckily I was kind of at even when the pandemic happened. Yeah. And so I hadn't put all my eggs in one basket, Right. you know? Right, right. And then um, always just talking to people. Yeah. I think, you know, like what you what you do and what you're good Ooh, at. I love and it. So I think that's super important. Yeah. Okay. I, this this is like, I think this is one of my favorite interviews so far, um, just because it's so different, but still the, the root of it is still health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so two quick questions to kind of wrap it up. What has been the biggest challenge about last year and and having this success? What's come along with that? I think the biggest challenge has been, I want to say it's not questioning myself when everybody else has. Mm. So when you do something different Mm -hmm. and you start to kind of dip your toes even like a little bit with the baby steps. Yeah. You're always going to have people who think you're like gone off the deep end. And I think especially when this happened, it was even close family members and friends I'd worked with that are like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like COVID's not a real thing. It's or it's not going to last long. It's like August and you're just now starting like good luck. And um, but believing in yourself. So like, yeah, the biggest challenge was just like even when it was my husband telling me like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Me knowing like in my heart, like, well, even if it is like, I'm going to make it work. Right. And still having, I would assume he might challenge your choices, but still supporting you when you want to make those choices. 
yeah. for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. And even if he doesn't, I, again, like, I have to just say, like, well, this is my decision. Sure. You know, without, yeah. like, a, you know, like, an end all, right? right? Like, I, I don't want to like, say it's, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a... Uh, yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're thinking of. <laughs> ultimatum. Um, ultimatum. Ultimatum. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, hey, like, please, like, yeah. believe in me, too. And now is he, like... Okay, you proved me. You yeah. proved me wrong. <laughs> I can think a little bit, yeah. And he's so good. I mean, we have those days where we're like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's been, you know, I just know like once you make that jump and you see yourself in action, I yeah. think it gets easier. Yeah, right? that's kind of how I was when I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna start a podcast," and I'm gonna like it's been this way my whole life. Like when I told my parents I was gonna literally just drive across country and go to LA, they were like, "I'm sorry, what?" Like. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I always figure it out. Um, but you have to have that confidence. You have to have that faith and you have to take the first step. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I figured that out. And then something bigger happens and you overcome that and something bigger happens. So it's just all these little things that kind of pile on and you look back and sometimes you say, oh, I fucked that up. That was probably a mistake, but that's okay. But most of the time you look back and you say that built my confidence or built my bank account or built whatever to take the next step and you have to kind of do that. I remember whenever, when I told everyone I was going to like do this and put it on YouTube and they're like, well, why? And I'm like, because I legit want my own show. I legit want to travel. I legit want to bring this to the world and like what we can offer in this conversation. And I know a year from now people are going to be like, holy shit, you were right. Yeah. But it's taking that first step. And, and when it's not, I think too, like if you get some momentum yes. and it slows down, yes. don't panic. Yeah. Like that's when everybody quits too. Right. right? Cause right. you'll get the idea, you'll start moving, mm-hmm. things are going great. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, it slows down mm-hmm. and then you're like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, that's the calm before the storm. That's just wait exactly. for it. Exactly. Yeah. And I tell people yeah. like, just push through that yeah. part or like pivot, but not too dramatically. Right. right? Like, like something in that field, but like that will align with your vision and your big goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just that it's like a J curve, right? Yes. And so like when you're at the bottom of the J and uh-huh. it slows down, you're like, am I going to make it yeah. back up? And yeah. you will. Or, or so, COVID comes along and gives you a different purpose, <laughs> right? It just puts you on another letter. <laughs> kind of was a blessing in disguise for you. Um, so last question, what are your goals for 2021? I love this question. Um, I really want to see people get back to work um, in office. I think it's super important. I think working from home and flexibility is like amazing. So I want to keep that. But like, I think there is something about people being together again Mm -hmm. and in a shared space. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to provide testings affordably for companies like that so that the employees feel safe, the employer feels safe, and that, you know, we can get back to just like, being together again. Oh, I love that. I so love that's that. that's my big goal for yeah. this year. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited. Awesome. I like loved this. Thank you so You're much. You're so welcome. <laughs> well, thank you for being a guest. And um, where can we find you? What's so your handle? On Instagram, yeah. I'm at Heath, like Heather, uh-huh. <laughs> underscore N underscore wellness. So like Heath and wellness. Okay. And then um, our website is W the number four humanity.com. And you can read about our mission and we try to put out cool YouTube videos. So, you do. Um, you do. Well, I'm not. I'm not trying to, but <laughs> people on my team are, <laughs> and they're really good at Listen, it. Listen, you can't be good at everything, Heather. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but we'd 
love to have you on. I would love to be on. <laughs> be awesome. Absolutely. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for being a guest and just thank you for being an inspiring person in the community. So thank I really look so up much. to you. You're you welcome. Too. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going. And feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denor Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly. I'll see you next time.